Um, yeah, I get messed up about this a lot, actually. Um, the sediments that we're targeting for this expedition came from 65 million years ago. Um, and I know we just kind of throw that around 65 million years ago, but if you think about it, every little particle of mud that we drag up has not seen daylight for 65 million years. The last time this thing was on the surface of our planet was when the dinosaurs were still alive. And so we're dragging this thing up and when we split our core, that little bit of piano wire slices it in half and we open it up and it is alive again, you know? Like it's here and we're looking at it, and the last eyeballs to be on this piece of mud were dinosaurs. Welcome to the first episode of This is Science, Expedition 378. My name is Claire, and I am currently on a scientific research vessel called the Joides Resolution. Now, my role on the ship is science communication. So I'm one of the onboard outreach officers here, and my job is to explain about the ship and about the objectives of our expedition, which is number three seven eight so uh, well here goes the droides resolution or jor is a scientific research ship that drills into the seabed floor to recover sediments and the goal of expedition 378 is to recover sediments that were laying down between 66 and 23 million years ago so that we can learn about what the climate was like back then but just think about it for a second. It just sounds crazy. We've gone out on this ship to this point in the South Pacific Ocean and we're drilling into the seabed floor to take up these sediments of rocks and mud and teeny tiny fossils that were laying down millions of years ago. And we're drilling hundreds of meters below the seabed floor in an area that's already like 1,200 meters deep of ocean. Like the logistics, the organization, the, the effort, you know, it's just, it seems like such a crazy thing. But since it started, this kind of seabed sediment research has just revolutionized our understanding of Earth's global systems. The idea, this idea to drill into the seabed floor to get ocean sediments, and the advancements in scientific knowledge that this has actually provided us, it, it's been compared to the, the moon landing program, or to building CERN, that massive platform under France and Switzerland to smash protons together. It's on that scale in terms of scientific advancement. But 
where did this idea first come from? Like, who comes up with this? I am here to talk about Project Mohole because it's just the wildest story. Um, my name is Lindy Newman. I am an educator at COSI, which is a science museum in Columbus, Ohio, United States of America. Like me, Lindy Newman, who you also heard at the start of this episode, is on Expedition 378 as one of the onboard outreach officers. And like me, Lindy is also fascinated with the story behind the wonderfully named Project Mohole and how ocean drilling got started. Now, it all kicks off at a meeting at the National Science Foundation's Advisory Panel for Earth Science. And this is in 1957. And they're looking at different proposals of how money should be spent. And this question is kind of thrown out of all the things it was possible for them to think of doing, which one would yield the most information about the Earth? Walter Monk, who is a professor at um, the Scripps Institute for Oceanography, he is going through, he's on this review committee, and he goes through all these proposals, and he just says, not one of these is worth my time. He cannot find a single good proposal in all of these. Um, And he is part of kind of a cadre of... um, Really, really like forward thinking, really dare to dream uh, kind of oceanographers and earth science in this time. And so he makes kind of one of those like half joking statements. He kind of says, wouldn't it be funny if we drilled down to the mantle? Uh, Just as kind of putting out this wild, crazy idea And Harry Hess, who is at this meeting and who's a Princeton professor, also one of these forward-thinking oceanography types, um, is obsessed with this idea. Absolutely loves it um, and says, why don't you come talk to the American Miscellaneous Society? The American Miscellaneous Society. The American Miscellaneous Society. Um, So when you have in your brain an ex- a, a, an idea of the American Miscellaneous Society. I'm sure you are picturing um, a bunch of men seated around like a maybe like a wooden, like an oak table in some meeting hall in Princeton, and there's like a gavel involved. Um, this is not what the American Miscellaneous Society is. A lot of these um, really, really bright earth scientists were friends with each other. Um, And the American Miscellaneous Society was something that they called themselves um, almost as a way to make fun of the stodgy, uh, gavel-heavy meetings and the Roberts Rules and all that kind of stuff that was happening at that time. Um, So basically, it was like they'd get together for drinks at a conference and they'd be like, I call to order this meeting of the American Miscellaneous Society. And then they all like laugh and get another martini. But Harry Hess knew that this was a collection of really bright people and people who were really willing to think outside of um, what science had to offer right in that moment. Um, And so Harry Hess asks Walter Monk, the guy who said, what if we drill down to the mantle? Um, He invites him to a meeting of the American Miscellaneous Society. And again, meeting is a a harsh word. Um, It has been dubbed the wine breakfast by several people from the American Miscellaneous Society. So they had a little wine breakfast um, at Walter Monk's house. 
where they talk about this and they name the drilling committee for this Project Mohole, it would later be called. Now, irrespective of this wine breakfast tag, this was actually a meeting where you had representatives from a lot of important geological or ocean-based research institutes. Like, there was people there from Princeton, from Scripps Institute for Oceanography, from Le Monte Observatory, Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute, U.S. Geological Survey. Like, these guys were the leading scientific lights. And this was a kind of ambitious, you know, push earth science advancement forward idea that they were looking for. But let's just put this into context for a moment, this idea. Drilling down to the mantle. Um, so the analogy everybody learns in, like, sixth grade science class is that the Earth is like an apple. It's got a core in the middle. Um, the core is made of molten metal. It's got a mantle, which is kind of like the um, the flesh of the apple, the part that you eat and is delicious. Um, the mantle is a partially solid, partially a molten. Um, and then on the very outside, the skin of the apple would be like the crust. And the crust is where we live. So um, all of the rock and um, dirt and everything that you have under your feet is all part of the crust. But the crust is extremely thin compared to the rest of the earth. Um, and so the crust is only about five miles thick at its, uh, at its absolute thinnest. It's about five miles thick. Um, and it's thinnest in the ocean. So their plan was to go out to the ocean drill underneath the seafloor, drill five or so miles down until they hit the molten or the partially molten uh, mantle underneath. And this would be a huge uh, geological finding. There are a ton of things that we don't know about the mantle because we have never held a piece of it in our hands, uh, which is why these people were so excited about it. And then also, I think it was, you know, it was the space race and science was getting a lot of publicity. And so um, they wanted a little glory on their hands as well, I'm sure. And as for the project name? Um, the boundary between the crust and the mantle is called, uh, hilariously, the Mohorovicic discontinuity. It's named after Andrea Mohorovicic, who is a Croatian geologist who um, first predicted the existence of this discontinuity. Um, so it's the Mohorovicic hole. The Mohole. So here's the thing. The advantage of drilling through the ocean floor is that the Earth's crust is thinner there. It's between, like, 5 and 10 kilometers thick. The disadvantage is that this thinnest area of crust is where the ocean is deepest. So, they needed to drill down extremely far in areas where there was a lot of water, which means no anchoring, which means figuring out another way to keep the drill ship in position over the hole. Back in 1961... Deep sea drilling for oil and gas wasn't even a thing, so this was new experimental technology. And at the time, the record for seabed floor drilling was not even close to the several kilometers of drilling needed. And on top of that, the record for the deepest water anyone had ever drilled in 
was less than 400 feet or like 122 meters. So Project Mohol had this three-phase plan. Um, And their plan is to go in three phases. Phase one is experimental drilling. Just drilling places, seeing what we find, um, not really going for any distance requirements. Um, Phase two is what they called intermediate vessel drilling. So they were going to build a ship. um, They were going to do a little deeper drilling. And then phase three is straight for the moho. They had called this fabled ship the ultimate vessel. They were going to build the ultimate vessel and they were going to drill down to the Mohorovikik. All right, so for phase one, they got a hold of the drill ship, the Kuss One, developed by oil companies Continental, Union, Shell, and Superior. And this is a heads up. Ocean drilling people seem to adore acronyms. Anyway, their first step, phase one, is to modify this Kuss One for deep sea drilling. Remember... New experimental technology, normally people were using anchors, they couldn't. So they attached thrusters to the four corners of the ship. And this meant that the cost one could be moved in any direction by somebody with some manual controls. And the idea was that they could position over the drill site and then maintain this position. So in 1961, they take out the newly modified COS-1 and they bring it off the coast of California and they test it in 3,000 feet, which is about 900 meters of water. And it works. So next step is to head to a site off the island of Guadalupe in Mexico and they test it in over 11,000 feet or 3.6 kilometers of water. And that works too. Um, And phase one is a roaring success. They drill in 11,000 feet of water um, and they end up drilling 200 meters down. So they drill quite a bit farther than the uh, record as it stood at the time. Um, Keep in mind that the Mohorovic is um, several thousand meters down, but um, it was a shocking success. And importantly, not only did they drill down, but they recovered sediment and basalt rock. Yeah, so um, there's actually a really great photo of one of the scientists pulling up the very first core, the very first uh, scientifically driven core of sediment from the ocean floor. Um, And you can see the excitement in everybody's eyes. Everybody's so excited. Um, There's a picture from later in the expedition of the cores split open in half and their sediments revealed on the inside. People are looking at them. Um, You know, they're doing some of the same science that we do here on the JR. Um, This project actually gave us our first sample of oceanic basalt, which, um, again, like the mantle, nobody had ever held in their hands before. Success! Applause all round! Surely onto phase two, and then the building of the ultimate vessel, and that drilling straight to the mantle. Or maybe not? Um, so the problem they ran into with Project Mohol is that these were a bunch of extremely brilliant scientists coming together for the American Miscellaneous Society, the AMSOC Drilling Committee. 
Um, but nobody really had experience with project management and with engineering, which were really essential components of getting this done. Um, so for phase one, they hired a really brilliant engineer who did a lot of um, good work on the drilling and a lot of good logistical planning, um, which is why part of why it was such a success. Um, but this engineer... Um, was not able to stay on for the upcoming phases. Um, and if you think about this, the three organizations that have kind of a hand in this are the NSF, uh, the National Academy of Sciences, and the uh, loose, ambiguous AMSOC Drilling Committee. The American Miscellaneous Society is a group of uh, oceanographers who like to get drunk at breakfast. The National Science Foundation is a funding organization and nothing more. And the National Academy of Sciences is also a pretty uh, hands-off science sponsor. So you have three groups of people who have no idea how to manage scientific projects, um, not an engineer among them. And you are trying to kind of go overcome one of the greatest hurdles of modern engineering. Um, so you can imagine that this quickly breaks down. The NSF starts bidding for contracts left and right, trying to get somebody else to take over this project. They end up picking an engineering firm that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And AMSOC is constantly making smaller committees and organizations and things to try to push off power onto somebody else. So there is about a decade of infighting. And then finally, um, in the late 60s, um, they make their big application for their big Project Mohol funding. But of course, we're in the middle of the Vietnam War. We are hemorrhaging money into uh, Southeast Asia. And so uh, their grant application is denied for Project Mohol. The light at the end of the tunnel here is that they are approved for some money to do some more scientific ocean drilling. It's not Project Mohol, but... It's something. And so in order to kind of administer this drilling project, a bunch of people from these organizations, from Scripps, Wood Hole, Lamont Doherty, uh, Princeton, all these kind of people, they get together and form the Joint Oceanographic Institutions for Deep Earth Sampling. And if you're paying attention to your acronyms, you will know that that sounds familiar. The Joint Oceanographic Institutions for Deep Earth Sampling, they come up with the deep sea drilling project and they have built specially for them by global marine the glomar challenger no more project mohole no more quest for the mantle but in recognizing the success of phase one and the ability of deep sea drilling to help us learn more about the earth we get the deep sea drilling project and the specifically designed glomar challenger it's no ultimate vessel, but it's pretty good all the same. So one of the things Glomar Challenger did is help prove the theory of plate tectonics. Harry Hess, um, one of the originators of Project Mohol, um, was a big fan of the theory of plate tectonics. And one of the things that Glomar Challenger did was it drilled around seafloor spreading zones in the Atlantic. And so they found that the further away you get from these seafloor spreading zones, the older sediment is, which is a crucial theory of continental drift or what later became plate tectonics. The Glomar Challenger had an amazing record. 
As well as helping confirm continental drift, it also showed that the Mediterranean Sea was at one stage completely dry. It it sailed for 15 years, and during that time, it investigated 624 sites across the ocean and recovered 97 kilometers of seabed sediment core for scientific research. Following on from that success of like phase one in Project Mohol, it proved the validity and worth of this kind of scientific research. So much so that the program continued again beyond the deep sea drilling project and the Glomar Challenger. Um, so the Glomar Challenger was uh, retired in 1983, and then by that point, uh, the Joint Oceanographic Institutions for Deep Earth Sampling had uh, kind of been dissolved, and so the DSDP got rechartered, became the Ocean Drilling Project, and bought a plucky little vessel called the Sedco BP-471, which was unofficially titled, in homage to the original organization, the Joides Resolution. And that is what we are sailing on to this day. So JR was keeled in 1985, something like that, um, with its brand new lab stacks and all its fancy uh, scientific drilling equipment. That's where I am today, on the Joides Resolution. A ship kitted out with one purpose on mind, to drill into that seabed floor and to recover and process and analyze those sediments. It's got this 66 meter derrick that can suspend a drill string of nine kilometers in instead of four motors at the corner of a barge it's got 12 computer controlled thrusters that respond to gps and sensors it's got a core lab a paleomagnetology lab a micropaleontology lab a chemistry lab an x-ray lab a thin section lab a microbiology lab it's kitted out with the latest high-tech science equipment. And it's also got a karaoke lounge, a movie room, a gym, and a galley that serves four delicious meals a day, plus an ice cream machine. Ocean drilling has helped confirm the theories of plate tectonics and continental drift. It has let us explore changes in Earth's climate over the past 100 million years. And it has taught us about earthquakes, volcanoes, tsunamis, and the vast biosphere of microbes living below the seafloor. Things living far deeper than scientists ever predicted life could exist. Project Mohol and drilling to the mantle was a big idea. A crazy idea. And ultimately it failed. But... We learned a lot along the way, and we continue to learn. And well, that's science. Thank you for listening to this episode of This is Science, Expedition 378. I'm Claire Kincannon, a Science Outreach Projects Coordinator 
at Otago Museum in Dunedin, New Zealand. This podcast is brought to you by the International Ocean Discovery Programme, and especially the Australian-New Zealand Consortium of the programme, who are supporting me to be here. Thanks also to GNS Science New Zealand and Otago Museum for their support. The intro music was created by the amazing Molly Devine. Check out her music on Spotify. And the audio beds were created by the super talented Perry Hyde. Thanks, Perry. If you enjoyed this episode, please spread the word about it. Tell all your friends and family and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next one. You can find out more about the Joydees Resolution and Expedition 378 at www.joydeesresolution.org. If you, like Lindy and I, are totally intrigued with this story, I can highly recommend the blog posts that Lindy wrote on this topic on the Expedition 378 webpage. See you next time. Kakite ano!